Sound On, Power On, your power electronics podcast. Powered by PCIM Europe. Hello everybody and welcome to the second episode of Sound On, Power On, your power electronics podcast powered by PCIM Europe. My name is Marco Jung. I'm a professor for e-mobility and electrical infrastructure at the Bonn Rhein-Sieg University of Applied Science at St. Augustine, as well as head of department converter and electrical drives at the Fraunhofer Institute for Energy Economics and Energy System Technology at Kassel. Both are located in Germany. Additionally, I'm the chairman of the IEEE joint IES-IAS-PELS German chapter. And today our technical theme is Key Applications for Wide Band Gap Power, Semiconductors and Future Outlook. And this I will discuss with Dr. Peter Friedrichs from Infineon. Hi Peter, how are you? Hello Marco. Yeah, I'm doing well. How are you? Fine. It's really great honor for me and a pleasure to have a discussion about this because we know us several years. And Peter is the Vice President of Silicon Carbide and... As I know, Peter, silicon carbide semiconductors have shaped your life. Can you give us a short insight into this about you and your company? Yeah, actually, you're right. Uh, this uh, today very exciting topic uh, was my first step into my professional career after the university times. I had the pleasure in the very early times of silicon carbide research to join the uh, innovative Siemens team working on this technology already in the early 90s. Yeah, and I also had the big pleasure to be a part of the journey from really basic research on material where nobody was really believing that this is going to work out commercially until the today's time where we run fully full fabs based on SIC uh, material. So very exciting time with a lot of ups and downs, but uh, in the end, uh, the success stands for it. Great, really great. So uh, I think you are the right person for the discussion today in this case. And for me, um, let's say I know you then several years, so 10 years ago. And the funny thing for me is we met us the first time at the PCIM. I think it was in 2012 or 2013. And we discussed our first uh, R&D project and the uh, acronym is or was IFAS. And it deals with First, silicon carbide power electronics for UPS and ancillary power supply for trains. Right, Peter, do you know or can you remember about this project? Yeah, absolutely. One of the really first uh, application-oriented uh, research projects uh, we were in. Um, very nice results, very nice team. I think also part of the team continued in other projects. So we have some history here, Marco, yeah. And, uh, But very successful, as I said. So, so uh, all the learnings we made on both sides, I think, from, from our side regarding uh, the components, how to improve them, but also from the application side, how to really use uh, the new technology, how to manage uh, challenges. So that was very fruitful. Thanks to the Ministry of Education to fund us. <laughs> Great. <laughs> This is a typical sentence we say. And uh, for the audience, maybe uh, some information. It was a 100 kilovolt amp um, bidirectional B6 bridge. And we um, yeah, checked or achieved uh, 48 kilohertz. 
So, uh, as Peter says, yes, we have a, a great history together. So, we have some project in PV inverters with silicon carbide, new projects with gallium nitride, let's say, and for hydrogen rectifiers. But I think let's come to our theme. In our first episode of Sound On, Power On, we discussed future trends in power electronics. We identified several future drivers or let's say mega drivers for power electronics. So we discussed about green electrical energy supply, so classical renewable energies, PV wind, and the new topics about mass production of hydrogen. We discussed about carbonization of the transport sector, means electric vehicle and charging infrastructure, efficiency increment in industrial applications like drives for, for production projects, for example, and new electrical grid structures, DC grid uh, application and high voltage application in AC grids, for example. Peter, for me, a question right now, uh, do you miss a topic from the look aside of the power semiconductors? Yeah, your list was already quite long and exhaustive. Um, what I would like to emphasize a bit uh, also in this uh, context is the whole topic of storage, which is connected to many of those uh, individual aspects you have mentioned, uh, whether it's energy transfer or renewable energy generation. What we experience right now is that to all those, uh, let's say, uh, online applications, uh, the um, offline backup based on storage systems is adding, which is also a big driver for power semiconductors and especially wideband gap. Oh, cool. And is the driver Germany or in some other country in the whole world? Yeah, that's also an interesting uh, view uh, or we have developed here. Uh, not necessarily this Germany or Europe, uh, simply due to the grid structure we have here. Uh, uh, so there are other regions in the world where this uh, element of storage has a much higher importance uh, in the energy flow uh, compared to Europe. But of course, since Europe is always innovative, also here a lot of projects is, uh, is running, uh, but we think that the real Im implementation might happen in, in areas with more isolated uh, energy grids and supply situations more. Mm, so that means weak grids or island grids and so on, something like this. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So where people simply are relying, for instance, on PV and they have to manage the supply for 24 hours a day, then you have no other chance to go for a huge amount of storage in order to manage it. Great. Yeah, so I think there exists some a lot of big projects over the whole world to rely such uh, solutions. Uh, means reducing diesel and uh, increasing more PV. Uh, great. So and the list. Yeah, we have now uh, one additional topic uh, in our list. And um, which application represents the greatest challenge for power semiconductors and why? Our experience is that. All the emerging applications represent uh, usually the biggest challenge simply because we are facing completely new operating modes, sometimes new environmental uh, conditions. So if we just take the example of PV. Uh, so they, they operated in environments uh, where basically before no power electronics was present. Uh, so from, let's say, some, some farms uh, or some... some uh, ranches where uh, installations were made together with cows and pigs uh, so that was uh, from a from a let's say air air pollution point of view uh, and ch certain challenge for power electronics and also then the outside uh, installations with moisture exposure completely different to other things so this are always let's say some new 
challenges to manage uh, in in those uh, upcoming fields. As more uh, the, the more we address established fields, the easier it is. Also regarding stress modes, operating modes, you know, we are familiar with all the things which might happen, and we can address it in the design phase. Uh, but for new, uh, new and emerging applications, this is always, let's say, a longer period of learning together with the customers. Mm. So that means uh, in harsh environments that are really, uh, yeah, hard uh, or the hard conditions in this case. So. Correct. Plus the operating modes. Sometimes also, let's say, unexpected events, uh, failure or overstress uh, from an electrical point of view. Uh, sometimes they, those are figured out only if the system is really up and running in real life. Uh, so you can simulate and predict a lot, but not everything. Mm, great. Ah, yeah. So now I understand a little bit more. And I think the audience. And... Let's go to the next uh, question. I see a trend of increasing blocking voltage of silicon carbide semiconductors. In which business areas can these be expected? We are having this discussion already uh, as long as silicon carbide exists, uh, since the potential to come to single die very high voltages is definitely there. Demonstrations are done uh, by many players uh, in, in the field. Uh, But uh, I have to be a little bit the bad guy here. Uh, our observation uh, in the industrial environment is rather, let's say, a little bit hesitating regarding uh, the move to single chip higher voltages. Uh, so from an implementation point of view, we still don't see it at the moment. Uh. There's a lot of nice demonstrations. That's, uh, that's pretty clear. Uh, but uh, at the moment, the focus from the... Uh, application side and also from the development in the industrial world we see rather our current view traditional segments maybe up to 6 kb there might be something around 10 kb uh, in the far future but um, not more mm -hmm. but i think so that is uh, so the typical i think the last class what you have in your your mind is 3.3 kilovolts um using this uh, blocking voltage and i think so only to achieve a higher voltage with multi-level inverters is a good point but i see it to to use it in public grid with 10 20 kilovolts and higher i think it's a little bit hard but true only in high voltage dc application yes uh, then then that's it's clear Okay, great. So we have a discussion uh, right now about silicon carbide, but I know there exists some other um, technologies uh, and I think uh, in the future technologies like gallium nitride. But for me, the question about this, since more than 10 years, gallium nitride semiconductors were introduced in power electronics. Yeah, there exist several research projects and so on, but the technology has not achieved a breakthrough yet. Can you tell us a bit more why it is so? Yeah, well, uh, if I look back to the silicon carbide history, we were experienced the same situation in the 90s. Huh? So same same story, uh, a lot of hype around silicon carbide, storylines that we will completely eliminate silicon. Yeah, and what happens always is that uh, we need to sort out the real opportunities from things which sound interesting but cannot materialize. And uh, this is exactly what gallium nitride, from my point of view, was already going through uh, in, in the last years because right now, uh, at least our internal Infineon gallium nitride uh, business is really jumping up. Uh, so we think uh, this settlement uh, has taken place. Uh, we know where which technology 
find its uh, application. Also, sometimes the systems need to adopt a little bit to the new technologies. That's also uh, a learning we have made. Uh, if you take the example of, of gallium nitride, so it is used in special topologies which have not been possible before with silicon. That also means a learning side on the customer. And uh, But after all those uh, painful periods, uh, the real fun begins, and this is also valid for gallium nitride right now. So I think that uh, the next few years will also prove that the potential of gallium nitride is there and uh, that at least certain applications will really gain from this new technology. Uh, that's a good point. And uh, yes, the advantage of silicon carbide and gallium nitride, more or less, in, it's clear. And you said, okay, each uh, technology will have uh, its place in the future. Can you give a little bit more a look inside where do you think with business area? So that means, for example, silicon carbide maybe in PV is, uh, is a period or in, in IGBTs is for large drives. Can you fix it more, let's say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, this is uh, one of the key questions we are discussing practically daily with uh, many, many customers because Infineon is one of the few, if not the only company really having all three power technologies in the portfolio. So silicon, silicon carbide and, and gallium nitride. And of course, the question is valid where to use what. Well, um, mm. I think silicon, it's it's pretty clear. These are the segments where... Uh, Cost is very interesting and where we do not have very strong uh, requirements regarding uh, efficiency switching frequencies. Uh, silicon carbide, we think, is definitely uh, the alternative or the brings added value to silicon if we think in high power, high voltage, medium frequencies. Uh, so we don't fit it to certain applications. It's rather the requirements coming from the applications. Yeah, gallium nitride benefits are... Uh, the possibility to switch very fast due to very low gate charge. That means extremely high frequencies. Um, integration, so if you want to create a very compact uh, system, uh, some, let's say, topologies already on, integrated on chips, so those are the things where gallium nitride very beneficial. And uh, from that perspective, we see also the use cases, especially in power supplies. Uh, there will be low-power low, low power motor drives, so uh, very compact stuff, uh, Uh, around and uh, enabling also the whole story of very compact chargers. Huh? So if you go to Amazon, for instance, you find a lot of uh, USB charging um, equipment where it's already labeled and powered by gallium nitride. So that's a typical playground uh, we see uh, at least for the uh, foreseeable future for gallium nitride while, as I said, silicon carbide uh, has its strengths in high-power DC-DC conversion, uh, mainly then PV, of course, storage, But also drives. Huh? So we see also a big uh, pool at the moment from drives. Huh? So we separated from mostly uh, from a point of frequency and power rating. And third point is, of, of course, in the required blocking voltage. Mm -hmm. And we spoke now about this technology, let's say, uh, of the advantages of the technology perspective. But I think... Uh, Nevertheless, uh, the end of the, the customer or the user, let's say, are the costs. And do you think gallium nitride uh, has the possibility in the future to get cheaper than silicon carbide as well as maybe silicon IGBTs? Is there a possibility? That's a very difficult one. <laughs> so, um, because uh, in all three technologies, we see progress. Uh, so even silicon is not 
not yet at the end uh, of the roadmap. So I have very smart colleagues working on future generations of IGPTs, and I have a lot of respect uh, because this is uh, there, there are leapfrogs possible. Uh? And similar in silicon carbide, uh, the cost down is driven here by material improvements, by larger diameters, uh, also by disruptive technologies uh, like split technologies. So we introduced this cold split technology, which uh, can really dramatically decrease the contribution of the substrate. Uh, and gallium nitride also is going up uh, with uh, diameter. And here the key is, of course, to improve also then the subsequent epi process on the already pretty cheap substrate. So the, the battle is open, I would say. Uh, in the end, cost performance will decide, and uh, this might be then application-specific. Uh, not necessarily, maybe the comparison is fair on the pure component price. Ah, okay. Mm -hmm. So let's go back to the, the advantages or let's say may I look in the technology side. I see, okay, now uh, there exists some silicon carbide PV inverters, for example, at the market up to 150 kilovolt amps. And in research, uh, let's say we increase it up to, let's say, 500 kilovolt amps. So, and for me, the next step, I think so, it would be the megawatt class, and that means large drives, wind power generation. But let's say I see at the portfolio from the whole manufacturer about this, that typically using up in this uh, high power using prime pack uh, packaging. Uh, but I think for using the advantages of silicon carbide, let's say you need uh, less or really minimized uh, parasitic inductance. And maybe this packaging form is in the future not so really useful for such application. But I think efficiency increasing, a little bit higher switching frequency, so medium uh, switching frequency is a really good advantage. Um, let's say in large drives, maybe more in uh, wind power system because of the, about the grid integration um, uh, perspective in this case. So maybe there is uh, some research or development more um, necessary, let's say, in the packaging. Yeah, you mentioned prime pack, Marco. You're absolutely right. Uh, we discarded this package for silicon carbide already many, many years ago. So this is Uh, definitely not the right housing, even if we used it for some research projects. Uh, yeah, our focus here is on our new XHP uh, power platform, which, uh, which is a half-bridge configuration, exactly coming along with the things you mentioned, the low-strain inductance, uh, scalability, etc. And um, this concept, silicon carbide in combination with the XHP, uh, also is very interesting for the large drives and um, wind power installations, even if we expect really the first deployment uh, of those high power solutions actually in trains. So that's, uh, I think you, you might remember this first uh, project, you, the IFAS also was dealing with the uh, first step of silicon carbide in trains. Here was, it was about power supplies. Meanwhile, we are stepping into the propulsion system with uh, those technologies and um, But it's also very similar to large drives in the end. Therefore, there's a direct link and the direct uh, experience can be gained uh, from those initial uh, <clears throat> investigations. Uh, but absolutely clear, we need this new package, uh, which is well-developed already also for IGBTs, needs some adoptions for SIC, but uh, it can be done. And then the 
field is open for high power applications based on SIC. Oh, that's really great. And uh, I'm looking forward for this. And you mentioned now, I think, yes, for high power application, um, so half-bridged topologies are really uh, interesting. But I see at uh, the product lines and in some outcomes of research projects, as uh, the ANPC bridge um, in hybrid uh, Technology, so it means IGBTs um, um, and silicon carbide MOSFETs combined. Is this the future um, for uh, the, yeah, let's say, different power and uh, applications? I think in general, the flexibility is very important, uh, maybe not for the very high power applications, but for uh, everything in this range, let's say, starting from 20 kilowatts up to 200 kilowatts. Um, so, based on innovative topologies, you can gain a lot in your system. And since uh, you can also then from a cost performance point of view optimize the solution if you not just think in one chip technology uh, our experience is that also the combination be uh, between silicon power devices and silicon carbide power devices in certain topologies is very successful it attracts customers uh, because they understand that uh, You need you take the technology you need and not what uh, the technology you have by on hand right now, and uh, if you then has also the right uh, package technology around, which is uh, provided by our Pressfit uh, base plate free module technologies, yeah, this, this, it's a perfect fit uh, to make silicon carbide happen in large scale and also in combination with silicon. Yeah. But I want to come back to the cost. I, I want to stress it a little bit more, <laughs> let's say. Um, what are the next steps for reducing the cost of silicon carbide? Because I think so, the, yeah, let's say the target corridor must nearly come to uh, the lithium IGBTs. So what are the next technology steps we need uh, for decreasing the costs? Yeah, well, We have three big cost drivers at the moment uh, in the case of silicon carbide. One is the base material cost itself. The second uh, topic is defect density, which is still impacting the yield. And then, of course, the third big topic is the whole uh, processing effort. It's basically the, the technology itself to, to manufacture a device. Um, at least from on our side, we are addressing all three parts uh, regarding the substrates. We are trying to Uh, let's say uh, foster reuse of substrates by uh, by split technologies where we take off uh, an unused part of the wafer after chip processing and reprocess basically uh, the whole silicon carbide wafer uh, defect density here we have programs in place also with our suppliers to work on dedicated uh, improvement uh, strategies where we are trying to address the important defects uh, the ones which really kill the yield And technology-wise, of course, this is, I think, uh, the typical approach to uh, work on new generations, which then require less space uh, on, on the material, but also helps us to, to come down with costs. So several measures are in place, and we are pretty confident that uh, the cost-down curve we were able to show in the past, we can continue also in the future. Oh, that sounds really, really great. So, Peter, in the last minutes, we discussed a lot of the future of power electronics. And what is about your future? What will we see? <laughs> well, uh, I hope you will still see myself also in the community uh, around silicon carbide. Uh, I hope also that we are going to meet in the future also again in person in many research projects. Yeah, the biggest uh, challenge we have in front of us also here in my direct environment, we are a growing team. You know, so many, many years we've been maybe 
smarter group of 20, 30 people. We are hundreds of them right now in the company. That also means we need to uh, disseminate the knowledge. Uh, we need to educate the people. That's one of my biggest tasks. So maybe something like an internal uh, lecture also here uh, in, in the company. Um, but I still look forward to a minimum 10 exciting years in the field of silicon carbide with a lot of uh, new applications, new customers coming in. Yeah. And very nice academic exchange, of course. Yeah, yeah uh, I think it's really important, uh, let's say, the education about this to, to share the knowledge for how to use uh, such silicon carbide or gallium nitride semiconductor because I think it's uh, about the drive uh, for this or the driver for this. I think it's uh, you need a lot of knowledge how to handle the EMC and so on in this case. Yeah. So it would be great to work in the future together in this, uh, like in R&D projects or in education maybe. It's, it's a good point in this case. So thank you, Peter. I enjoyed our conversation. Pleasure was on my side, Marco. To all the listeners, wherever you might be, thank you very much for listening. We hope you have enjoyed today's episode and gained some valuable insights. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast, which is available on all major podcast platforms. If you would like to share your feedback with us, please do so via an email to podcast-pcim at misago.com. You can write to us also if there is a specific topic you would like to be covered in future if you have a particular guest on your mind. Until then, have a great time. Sound on, power on. Your Power Electronics Podcast. Powered by PCIM Europe.